0: If you're interested in more Normalize This Shit content, I encourage you to go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash normalizethisshit, where you can sign up for a tier that will give you exclusive merch, background information, Q&A, things like that. Also, you can go to our Instagram page at normalizethisshitpodcast. Thanks for listening. Take care. Welcome to today's episode of Normalize This Shit. I'm here with Dr. Yodia Chua, who's a licensed clinical and disaster psychologist specializing in trauma, traumatic stress reactions, and issues regarding diversity and inclusion. Dr. Chua is currently the mental health advocate for the Asian Pacific American Student Association at the University of Arizona. She provides psychoeducational and clinical services to the APASA students and staff. Dr. Chua provides a cultural lens to encourage exploration of identity in the self, to process experiences, and to promote psychological well-being. She is also the co-founder of True North Psychological Services, LLC, a private practice psychotherapy group in Tucson, Arizona. And of course, she is my wife and the mother of my children. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Dr. Chua.
1: Thank you for having me on.
0: So can you tell our listeners a little bit about what disaster psychology is? I mean, I think people know what clinical is or have his grasp of it. What's the specialization of clinical and disaster psychology?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I kind of think of the clinical work as more day-to-day work. You know, we see individuals maybe presenting with like depressive symptoms or sometimes with anxiety, adjustment disorders, right, or adjustment symptoms. And if you think about clinical work as helping people improve their day-to-day lives and day-to-day functioning, then I think of disasters as really seeing people in typically the worst case scenarios, um, the, the most sometimes challenging times of their lives. And so we get to go in as disaster psychologists, either on a broader level to help with the response and planning of responses or we go in, you know, to do a little bit more of like the one-on-one response um, on ground
0: as well. It's so a very specialized.
1: It really is. And I think it's such a privilege that you and I got to attend that program together. Right, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we oh got yeah, to, I was there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and we got to really have this training where we we can meet people in their time of need and help communities and families or individuals um, during some of the most difficult periods of their lives.
0: Yeah, and for our listeners having questions about that, you can look up the Disaster Mental Health Institute at the University of South Dakota. Mm -hmm. Dr. Chuan, I trained under Dr. Jerry Jacobs and uh, Dr. Randall Quevelin, Dr. Beth Boyd, Mm -hmm. who are the fundamental founders of disaster mental health. Yeah. I, I think you are probably the most perfect person to talk about uh, the topic today, and I'm emotional reactions, <laughs> I <don't know> <laughs> normalizing emotional reactions.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, can you tell me a little bit about why you want to talk about it? I mean, I have an idea of why I am excited about this topic, but I'd like okay. to hear your, your thoughts first.
1: Yeah, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. <laughs> but yeah, I think, especially in our practice, we, or let me speak for myself, in my practice, I see a lot of individuals come in and what they tell me is, can you help me fix this? Why am I feeling this emotion? I don't like it. I don't want it. Shut it down for me. Like teach me how to not feel this. And I think both in my personal, but also professional life, I see how important emotions are, how important emotional reactions are to normalize just because they tell us so much about our human experience that they give us so much information about ourselves, the people we interact with, and also what we're experiencing in the moment. If we shut that down, we miss a crucial part of what it means to be human. And so I was hoping, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe we could talk a little bit about like, oh, instead of seeing intense emotions, as strong emotions as something to avoid, something mm. to shut down, we can start to see them as a really core part of, of being human, of being alive.
0: Yeah, I think that you put that very beautifully. Um, not just because you're my wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was very beautiful. Thank I, you. I, I honestly, sometimes I think that a lot of our patients think that having a negative emotion is bad yeah that there's something to be I have to fix that mm-hmm. you know i'm I'm feeling sadness at this reaction, I'm feeling exactly. guilt, and rather than seeing it as this is information, this is natural mm-hmm. um, oftentimes and I, I'm using our patients as a reflection of the world is they see that I'm only supposed to have positive emotions, so those are the things yes. that are good for me, right mm-hmm. and negative emotions are are bad for me, exactly. And I think
1: uh, you were mentioning like patience, but even on a personal level, you know, you and I have talked about this what it's like to be able to come to acceptance of painful experiences, mm-hmm. of things that are non neutral, non positive, because those are always, I think, like maybe as we're growing up, as we're socialized we often say, I want happiness in my life. I, mm-hmm. want, I want smooth, like easy, right? A- and the thing is, I don't know, maybe it's a, a function of growing older. I'm like, but some of the most edifying and invoking experiences are the ones that are difficult as well. And instead of fighting those, if we allow ourselves to experience whatever comes up for ourselves, then we get to know ourselves too on a deeper level. We don't fight who we are or what we experience as a result of, of these difficult times.
0: Well, oh, that's a. When you said that, the, the first thought I have was is if we're avoiding negative emotions, then we are avoiding a part of ourselves. Yes. We're not paying attention to Yeah. Neglecting part of ourselves. Right.
1: Or even maybe actively rejecting too sometimes.
0: I shouldn't be right feeling this way. Yeah. Uh, how often have our clients said that? I mean I've said that too. I shouldn't be feeling this way. Like why why am I feeling this way?
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I totally totally relate to that. I find myself having to catch not saying that to our our son as well, Mm -hmm. right? Like I don't need to shut it down or I feel the need to shut it down. Why do I feel the need to shut it down? Ah, maybe I don't. Can I let him have his reaction? Mm -hmm. Can I let myself have my reaction and not like push that away or not be, not feel like I'm shutting down from it.
0: It makes me think of that. It's probably a whole separate topic, but reactions as a parent. right? (laughs) Oh,
1: Hey, episode eight. Yeah. I mean,
0: Trying to normalize as a parent, like yeah. your your frustration or your you know you're feeling sad for a moment that why am I feeling sad about this exactly um, you know, exactly even though your your child may not be reacting yep. that way
1: exactly yeah
0: yeah I wanted what do you think uh, from your experience with clients mm-hmm. what are the most prominent emotions that you find that they say I shouldn't be reacting this way or. Is it, is it a, why am I not happy? Is it, why am I feeling guilty for mm. the, you know, you know what I mean? Like what like a spectrum?
1: I think it's so wide. Anything that is not categorized as positive. Right. I tend to see people like either have a reaction to it and be like, I need to shut this down or I'm not allowed to feel this. Um, or sometimes it's it, it, like immense anger at themselves for feeling that way mm-hmm. right and it's interesting cuz with some clients when we explore and I ask them oh what makes you feel like you don't have permission to feel this way makes you feel like you need to shut it down for them it's like internal where they're like well i don't deserve to have the space to feel this mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not, sometimes maybe they've gotten that message from someone else, like a caregiver or someone in their lives that maybe they, they looked up to or that they, they felt safe with or were attached to who gave them that message, right? Of you shouldn't feel this way mm-hmm. or you're not allowed to have this reaction. And so then we learned to, to then shut those emotions down.
0: Right. I I often find that there's two camps of, there's individuals that they have, you know, in the the classic sense, an abusive, you know, parent or that teaches them to shut down emotions. Mm -hmm. Or you have the case of parents themselves are emotionally unstable Mm -hmm. and place a lot of the burden and dependency upon the child. And then therefore, they think to themselves, my emotions don't matter. Right. My needs don't matter. They need to be on the shelf because I got to, I got to serve or take care. Right. It's like, and both of them kind of be summed up of, I don't deserve to feel this. Yes. Yes. Right.
1: And I think sometimes it's not even like, I think those two camps that you talked about are pretty, I would even say they're pretty extreme camps, Mm -hmm. right? You even have like parents who maybe. Well, because I, I would say even our understanding of emotions in our field has changed over time, mm-hmm. right? It's gone from, oh, let's focus on maybe more behavioral techniques to more cognitive techniques. And now we're like, oh, let's work on understanding feelings and not like overregulating it or yeah. taking it away, right? And I think parenting can reflect that too, where it's more neutral than um, maybe harmful in some ways, it's not abusive parenting where sometimes parents don't understand their own emotions. They were never told Mm -hmm. you get to feel these emotions. So they're like, Oh, what do I do with these? These are uncomfortable. And so now with their own kids, they're like, shut it down, shut it down. It's uncomfortable.
0: (laughs) Right. I I think of, um, every time, you know, and some, some patients will tell me like, Oh, my parents don't argue. Mm-hmm. I don't ever see them argue. Yeah. And they initially think that that's a great thing. Uh-huh. Uh, and then you, you spend more time and then they find that they're having anger. Right. And they're not expressing their anger. Uh-huh. And it's like, <laughs> see, the modeling is, is very important. And yes. The, the intergenerational idea that, you know, sadly, I have to say my age. I'm th- going to be 34. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the generation before that, my mom was born in 58. Mm-hmm. Uh, that generation is very different in yes. addressing emotions yes. and their concept of what emotional reactions should be, mm-hmm. uh, versus us and then our kids. Yeah. Right?
1: I bet there are going to be things that our kids learn that uh, we're going to have to learn too. And uh, we don't have to learn, but what I mean is like, mm-hmm. we're going to learn about it and, you know, it's up to us if we want to move with the times and integrate with them, right? Yeah. Or if we fight it. <laughs>
0: I could see you moving with the times. I could see me fighting <laughs> everything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't give yourself it'll enough be a, credit, like be
0: a grumpy, grumpy <laughs> old man who just wants flexible. <laughs> to sit out on the porch and drink coffee. Um. <laughs> so I, you said a broad spectrum of it could be it could be any. Emotion. It really
1: could be any emotion. You know. The interesting thing so, I mean, talk about different emotions, right? Like anger, sadness, despair, disappointment. I think those are the ones that I typically see people come in and they're like, why am I feeling this way? What's wrong? Why? Right. Mm -hmm. Or I I don't know what to do about this. And then there are some, we talk about them as like secondary emotions, right? Shame, guilt. Mm -hmm. Those often I think are a function of like difficult experiences, pain or suffering that they've they've experienced and and those uh, those are a little bit more complex to to work through to navigate because i think often they well not i think but in our training we learn mm-hmm. right that often there is a cognitive step in between the primary emotion yes and these emotions of like shame or guilt where maybe they're blaming themselves for something Right. There's something being internalized here. There's something that is, that is, I would say, maybe more maladaptive in, in the way that they're viewing themselves or maybe the situation or the other person that is causing the shame or guilt to come up. Yeah. And I think often in those situations, being able to... to be curious about what's coming up for us is, is then like twofold, right? It's how can I walk through, how can I move through these emotions? And then the cognitive piece coming in too, right? Like threading those two together. What is that belief underlying it? That is maybe bringing this mm. complex emotion up.
0: Yeah. You often see guilt come after, a reaction of an emotional reaction. Something happens. Mm-hmm. I feel a certain way. Yeah. I shouldn't be feeling that way. That's right. kind of the the intermediate the belief you have. Yes. Um and then the should ends up leading you to Okay, because I shouldn't be feeling this way. Yeah. And I do feel this way. Something's wrong with me. Yes. And now I feel guilty. Yes. Right? Like and and then oftentimes it's not guilt, uh-huh. it's internalized shame. Yes. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's a very quick
1: it is so quick and, and unfortunately it is so, it, it creates this loop, right? It's really hard to get out of it. And the moment you kind of step into that cycle, it's really hard to get out of the self blame, mm-hmm. the, this is directed at myself, right? So maybe I've already had a conflict with somebody or a disagreement and now I'm leveling another Layer of guilt and myself, right? right? So then I'm like truly stuck. Now I'm digging myself this really like I'm in this really deep trench of. This is my fault.
0: Yeah, right. I get the image of you're digging your own kind of grave type thing, mm-hmm. like self-imposed right. shame. Like you exactly. just you keep shoveling the dirt up,
1: but not because we want to. No, right? No. Not because that's what we want for ourselves. And I think that's where a lot of like the third layer of shame comes in, right? Like, am I doing this to myself? Am I causing myself to get all wound up? Mm -hmm. Like, am I over, I hear this often, I'm overthinking this, yo, or I'm overthinking this, Dr. Chua. I'm doing this to myself. And I'm like, no, these are things that we kind of pick up along the way, Mm -hmm. right? We internalize these messages or we, we find ourselves stuck and then it's hard to work ourselves out of that. That's why going to therapy is helpful (laughs) Right. Mm. I'm plugging our (laughs) our profession but but really it's hard to do it on our own
0: yeah when you've been given the instruction booklet that says this is how I'm supposed to react to something yes right and so I then my life kind of happens and I start to have reactions that are not on that instruction booklet. Yeah. And I don't know that I can go off course and feel whatever right. I need to feel. Exactly. We, we always look back to that. Oh, I'm, well, this doesn't make sense. I'm supposed to feel this. Yes. It's in the instruction booklet. Exactly. And I don't feel that. Exactly. What's happening to me? Right. And I think I think as a general rule of thumb, most humans are very like, they ask what's wrong with me first. Versus like what is wrong with the situation or maybe there's nothing wrong with the situation. There's nothing wrong with me. If there's something, if there's a dissonance, yeah, there automatically means that there's something wrong and that, that is not true. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's not, yeah.
1: Right. And I think our minds are like, our minds try to create some sense of safety by categorizing it. Right. Mm -hmm. Good, bad, right, wrong. Yes. Black or white. Right. And, And it's so fast. That it's hard for us to tolerate the ambiguity. Yes. Right, and so it, then when we're left with, like, oh, maybe this is uncomfortable or this is unfamiliar, it brings up feelings, maybe a fear of feeling unsettled, mm-hmm. of unfa- that unfamiliarity. I think is often mixed with, then it must be dangerous.
0: Yeah, and right? we talk about the the concept of you know like in general dealing with um major political issues in our society like racism mm-hmm. or something like the the concept of the other mm-hmm. right but there's the other within ourselves right there's yeah. the there's the unfamiliar of a reaction that we're having yeah and that is sometimes just as frightening yes. as an external kind of other oh right? i think yeah
1: often people experience experience it as even more frightening yeah. to your point because they're like, what if I look inside and I don't like what I see?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> there's a really dark, right. scary place. Right.
1: right. When it's simply unfamiliar, it's not it, it's not dark or scary. <laughs> right, often, right. right? But then our minds kind of create that. I think yeah. it creates this this fear, right? Of like perceived danger when we don't know what to expect
0: yes we make assumptions about yeah it's a protection thing Mm -hmm. right like we we say it's our brains label it as unsafe exactly so is is that the is that what you recommend to your patients then of like getting okay or being okay with the unfamiliar that breaking the assumption that the unfamiliar is not supposed to be at least emotionally mm-hmm. a scary thing. It's supposed to be a natural thing. That's how we're we're reacting to a situation, mm-hmm. and it's okay. However, we're reacting to it. We don't need to be afraid of how we're reacting to something.
1: I think it's more that it, it's okay if you're not okay with it.
0: Mm.
1: It's okay whatever comes up for you. You know that we learn it, one of the the so my research area was re, is resilience right and one of the key components factors that predicts resilience is self efficacy right if a if a person believes that they have the capability they if they trust themselves to navigate situations whether it's internal external right Circumstances, whatever comes up for them, right? Sensations, feelings, thoughts, right? If they trust that they can navigate it, right? it doesn't matter what comes up. The thing is, are there going to be difficult circumstances? Yes. Are they going to be unfamiliar, sometimes even dangerous circumstances that we're in? Yes. But do I trust that I can show up for myself mm. in those situations and that I can get help in those situations? Ah. Then I don't, even if I'm fearful, right? I trust that I will show up for me. I trust that I will get help from people who love me or people who are there like first responders mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. me, right? Then I think that brings that vigilance or hypervigilance of like the unfamiliar or the most feared kind of takes a little bit of that fear out Mm -hmm. and it allows us to you know we talk about tunnel vision so then the tunnel vision opens up and i can be curious instead Mm -hmm. about what's coming up for me
0: trust you said Mm -hmm. and i would I i think there's oftentimes a very fluid line or a fluid relationship between trust and feeling you're capable yeah right and i think a lot of people think that being capable means i have to have the ability to solve this situation oh yes with with no matter what yeah and that, that's their concept of capability when really what we're talking about and i try to correct them of like
1: yeah
0: when capability is in like going deeper and saying trusting that whatever comes yeah even though that you're may not be like capable of like okay i'm not trained for that specific thing that Mm-hmm. Is happening to me. I trust that I will be able to handle the emotions that come with yes. it and be able to get help. Yes. Right? Yeah. Versus seeing yourself as I have to be capable all the time. Yes. Of being vigilant. That's the vigilance. Exactly. I'm capable. You yes. know what I mean? Right.
1: Which is like the, I think the idea, I'm saying this with air quotes, right, of being strong, right? It means yeah. I must be able to tackle every one of these. And yeah. when really... Sometimes uh, I talk about like heartbreak or really, really overwhelming emotions, right? And sometimes I can't navigate it on my own. Mm. And strength is in saying like to my partner, right? Mm -hmm. To to a friend, a dear friend, to my therapist, like, I can't, this is so much, this is so difficult. And to let them come alongside us and say, Let me hold you.
0: Mm-hmm. Let
1: me be here with you. I think there's so much strength in that. Right. And if we can teach our like ourselves and our children,
0: mm-hmm. it,
1: it's okay. It's okay to let your heart break. It's okay to experience these emotions. This is a part of the human
0: condition. Mm-hmm. I think there's a there's a lot of Fear around accepting that that's a part of the human condition. Yeah. Heart heartbreak, uh, suffering. Right. You, you know that you know, things like, for example, Russia and Ukraine happening. Yes. And and that there's 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 horrible things happen, and that just that's not just globally, but like every day people have yes. things that are extremely painful. You lose a job. You're getting divorced. Yeah. Uh, and, and that that is, I can't allow that in. Of course. I can't yeah. let that in. Right and you know, there's a time for not letting it in. Right. We talk about this right. in therapy of like, if you're in the midst of <laughs> right. um, you're know, like, for example, if you're ongoing divorce and you still live with that partner, yes. functionality is the best thing. You exactly. just got to get day to day.
1: Yes. You're in the midst of a war and you're yeah. trying to evacuate. Right. Right. Let's not be processing emotions right now. Yeah. Right. We're, we're like let's get you out of there. <laughs> yeah.
0: The goal is to just get you out of there. right? <laughs> but then when you get out of there, a lot of people and I, you know, this is our next episode on trauma, but yeah. A lot of people are unable to get past that survival point. Yeah. Emotionally mm-hmm. and get to the process and heal. Yes. And step one is kinda of letting that in. Yeah. But that's a scary thing. It's like Oh, Oh, one
1: hundred percent.
0: The the visual is is kinda of letting the Minotaur in the door. Yeah, You know, like yep. you're letting this huge <laughs> huge beast of a thing yep. come at you. Uh because you, you fear it so much. Of course. But there's only one way of dealing with the beast, <laughs> and that's you got to right. be there with it. Not confront it in the sense of like, I got to be this thing Fight it. Or,
1: yeah, yeah. No,
0: it's, it's letting it be there.
1: Right. right? Yeah. yeah. And I think it makes sense that, you know, generationally, it's it's difficult to... It's difficult to model that for our children. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like it's really difficult because mm-hmm. I want to save. I feel like my reflex is I want to save anyone I love from any pain or suffering and heartbreak, yes. right? I'm like, I don't want my son to cry. I don't want our son to, I don't want him to experience, you know, feeling rejected by somebody, feeling uh, fearful, anxious about them. But the, the reality is that will, be a part of his life Mm -hmm. and we can either I guess fight it and be like I protect you from everything and shelter you from everything or I can be there with you and show you yeah sometimes mom is scared Mm -hmm. right sometimes mom's heart breaks when your heart breaks yeah but I will be here for you right and I think that's really powerful and and connecting for human beings that we not operate just out of a fear response.
0: You, you said something there that powerful in connecting to human beings and that leads me to be thinking like having emotional reactions and normalizing, like letting them be there Mm -hmm. is a way a way and to be human. Yeah. It's a way as a part of connecting with one another Mm -hmm. and feeling a part of humanity. Yeah. Right. When we, when we do the opposite, we disconnect from humanity. Yes. Disconnect from the humans around us. Yes. And you even see that in, you know, I, I made, I made that joke about my, about sitting on the porch. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, that's what my grandfather used to do, right? Is uh-huh. He disconnected from all his emotions. He served in the Korean War. Mm. And um, he used to sit outside uh, all, you know, for hours. Yeah. Um, not being a part of it. In his own kind of, I'm sure, probably, mm-hmm. stuff that he didn't want to deal with. He probably took six cups of coffee. <laughs> he was up at four in the morning and just kept drinking coffee. Uh, yeah. But I often, that's the archetypal image yeah. of the disconnect. Yeah. Is that, you know, from a man, like from a guy's perspective is like, okay. you know, the disconnect of a man yeah. on the porch. Absolutely. Completely not in touch with his emotions at all. Maybe except for mm-hmm. anger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, the expression of anger and then maybe the expression of sex. That's about mm-hmm. it. Um, but, you know, if you, I don't even think my grandpa ever said he was sad. I don't think that ever yeah. came out of his mouth. Okay. You know, like I don't think I don't think that I'm feeling guilty never came out of.
1: Right. You know,
0: I'm feeling worried that never came out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and that's a weird thing growing up and seeing. Yeah, and it's so know.
1: funny that you say that because, you know, I've worked with some clients who, in the beginning, when we start working together, and I, you know, uh, usually when we're starting, I kind of prompt a little bit and ask them, oh are you feeling something? And if they're like, I don't, I don't know. I ask, you know, could you maybe be feeling a little sad about this or a little upset? And sometimes I have clients who said to me, can I say that? Mm -hmm. Like, am I like, like they're asking me, am I allowed to be sad? Am I allowed to say that I am really sad and hurt about this? And I'm like, yes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, but like that, the social rules around it for some reason seem i think really rigid really firm like no you're not allowed to to feel this way you're not allowed to say that because somehow maybe it's a reflection of this relationship that you that's very precious to you that's really you know meaningful to you and saying that i feel hurt when my friend did this to me or when my family member did this to me somehow then becomes a reflection of like like, it takes away from yes. that relationship. It detracts. Exactly. Or, or that I'm criticizing that rather than, no, there are ups and downs in all relationships. There are periods of stability and then there are periods of trial. Yeah. Right? And, and that instead of us seeing it as like, oh my goodness, that's like, maybe that's so unhealthy and, and that means it's like, a huge signal for a problem we can say oh I wonder what is what's bringing this up what is going on between this person and myself that is bringing these feelings up for me Mm -hmm. Uh, I can allow myself to feel these
0: switching from judgment to curiosity
1: yeah right exactly yeah
0: yeah I from the therapy perspective, you know, the Columbo technique, right? Like, uh-huh. uh, yeah. But I always give that example of, uh, being curious, uh, that, you know, 1970s Columbo yeah. show or detective Columbo. He's like, you know, I wonder what's going on here. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. idea of I'm an emotional detective. My job exactly. is not to, my job is not to make a judgment too early. Yeah. It's to follow the clues of what's happening to me. Exactly. to determine what's going on. Yes. You know, versus like, well, that that's not how I'm supposed to be feeling. Right, right. right. <laughs> you know, this doesn't make sense. You know, what's wrong? Right. It's like, okay, it doesn't make sense. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and tone is really important. Yeah. Okay, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. That's all right. Yeah. It's all right, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I'll just follow the clues wherever this goes. Yeah. And whatever's at the end of it, I'm, it'll be okay.
1: Yes. I'll figure it out.
0: Yeah, I'll figure it out. That's right? Trusting.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right? right? Or I will... I will feel what I feel and then we'll go yeah. from there. Yeah. Right.
0: Do you think people, I, I, I guess I'm, what is your experience with people thinking that is quote unquote cheesy? I feel what I feel um, because I deal with a lot of male patients uh-huh. men, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I try to get them to like, you know, I try to use metaphors that are more quote unquote, traditionally masculine to get them to (laughs) hop on board with the idea of being the emotional detective, right? That's Uh a, you know, very traditional, you know, okay, I can be a detective, Uh right? Um, But what is your experience with that?
1: Uh, Well, when I work work with adolescents, they'll be like, yeah, this is so cringe. (laughs) (laughs) Super sass. This is so cringe. Are you really making me do this?
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, Dr. Chua, are you serious?
1: <laughs> exactly. If clients come in and they're like guns blazing at me, like this is cheesy, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Then we do a little bit more exploration. Oh, you know, why is that coming up for you? Why is this reaction coming up for you? Yeah. Right? Versus, okay, you know what? Like, I'll try it. Sure, it's it's a little cheesy, right? Yeah. And most of the time when they do it, They'll tell me, actually, it's like way more difficult than yeah. I've imagined.
0: Right. I think, okay, that's that's the, I'm glad you mentioned that because yeah. that's, that's the thing is when you get them to that point, then uh-huh. they may say it's a lot harder. Yes. Right? It's actually work. Uh-huh. I think people, and I, I tell this to everyone I meet yeah. if they ask me about therapy, and I usually lie about my profession, Right. <laughs> but, if I, but if it ends up coming out that you figure out I'm a therapist, people traditionally think that therapy isn't work but it is emotional oh my goodness you're constantly in session if you're with a good therapist yeah and we can that's topic for another time yeah but (laughs) the idea of you should feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. it's it's a tough thing to be oh for sure talking about emotions and changing how you view yourself yeah that's really hard to do
1: of course it requires so much vulnerability yes like the, the willingness to be to be open to well first of all the fact that maybe i'm i'm speaking for myself now right mm-hmm. like as a, like on a personal level that i'm not right yeah and i'm not like
0: oh, shit. i'm not yeah. my best yeah i'm not the best
1: <laughs> right and I'm i'm trying to be I'm hearing feedback from another person. I'm hearing that take on something and my willingness to be to listen to that to really apply it. I think that's
0: you know what you know what's interesting about that yeah, is that you know you talk about like the concept of being the best and you know being right mm-hmm. um, you're I never get that sense of of you putting that pressure on yourself as a therapist. Like, you're, you're always, every time that, you know, I've seen you, you know, if we, we watch video or whatever, yeah. you know, when graduate school, you're fully with the person. You're not focused <laughs> on, am I, am I doing this the, the right way or the, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Am I asking the best question for this person at this time? That actually detracts from, right. you're, but you're never, you're never like that. On, you're, you're, I've never seen you like that. Ever. I really
1: hope that's what my clients feel because that's no
0: I, I think that that's a testament because they, they keep coming <laughs> back I mean they they ask for you all the time
1: I, and yours asks for you all the time you have some really loyal I have them at
0: be like I want to see that doctor guy <laughs> hey
1: you're not cringe okay yeah, that's not, big deal not here cringe. <laughs>
0: not cringe I, I, like a, I just had to explain an outer limits joke uh, to to some 19 year old and I was like oh my gosh I'm starting to sound very old. Um, for listeners listening, Outer Limits is a very old show that was running <laughs> on the Sci Fi Channel. Um,
1: but, oh, and, and I meant like when I said like wanting to be the best and going it, I meant like therapy for myself. Mm. You know, on a personal level, like I think sometimes. If I find myself fighting something that my own therapist is telling me, mm. I have to ask myself, like, where am I coming from? What do I feel insecure about?
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So the, is it the traditional, like, not traditional, but like the stereotypical, the best version of me? Is yes. Is that what you're talking about? Yep. Yep. Okay.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: I thought you were meaning like the, there's got to be the best way or the right way to do this or the... <gasps> And, and I, at, yeah,
1: and and you're totally right. Like as a as a therapist, the moment I feel that, mm-hmm. right, I have to remind myself, I'm not here to quote unquote be the best. Yeah. I'm here to show up for this person. Right. How can I do that in the most supportive, edi- affirming, affirming, affirming way? Yeah.
0: You know the irony. Yeah. Is graduate school kind of teaches you the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't mean to rag on graduate school, but graduate school is r- rigorous.
1: It is because I think it's you're trying to learn. Yeah,
0: rigorous. You get a lot of material. You get a lot of protocols, and there's a lot of questions of like, "Am I yeah. doing this right?" Right.
1: And when we're learning something new, like any skill, yeah. right? Yeah. I think that's that's required. That's important. And then it, you get. I mean, I I still consider us pretty early career early career professionals
0: not judging by the wrinkles on my face true
1: fair point (laughs) (laughs) that could also be from having children so 85 years (laughs) (laughs) but i think as we go along and we become a little bit more well-versed in in the techniques then we can really focus on the relationship that we're building with our clients on sitting with them on being being present with them that's I think that comes with like a little bit of time and a little bit of, you know, a little bit more experience you or maybe the, I'm wrong. Maybe yeah, I'm like,
0: <laughs> you lose the worry of always. Is this according to the protocol? Is yeah, this yeah. part of this manual or not? Uh, you know, exactly. what would this guru say about right. what I'm saying? Yes. Right. Oh, it didn't, yeah. you know, it didn't line up exactly with what I was looking for. What, Like you say, people that are not, besides going to therapy, Mm -hmm. what recommendations would you have for people to kind of normalize their experience? With emotions? Yeah. I mean, we have probably talked about some of it already, but Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: Right. Asking ourselves, what's what's seemingly cheesy or simple questions? Like, what's coming up for me? Mm -hmm. Why might I be feeling this way? How can I take care of myself if I feel this way, right? Sometimes instead of doing, right, how can I be with myself as I feel this? I find myself fighting that Mm. a lot, like just personally. Mm, Personally, Yeah. Like if I have a difficult emotion, sometimes I'm like, well, I'm really fighting through this. I I really do not want to feel angry. Mm. I don't want to feel this. Why am I feeling this way? And letting that process be there. And then being like, wow, maybe under the anger or under the fighting is a lot of sadness. Mm. It's a lot of hurt Oh, it's a lot of disappointment, mm. right? Whether it's with myself or with somebody else, toward somebody else rather. Right? And then being able to, to process that. You know, sometimes we process it. On our own, right? I I think through things, or I let myself feel what Mm -hmm. that's like, right? Sometimes it's with a loved one, right? Like I come to you and I'm like, oh, I'm having a really hard time with this. Or or sometimes you point out to me, you're like, oh, you are having a really hard time with this. Do you want to talk about it? Mm -hmm. And I fight you first. And then after I'm like, yes, I really want to talk about it. (laughs) Right. Or sometimes it's like doing things that that's healing for us, Mm. right? Being in the garden is healing for me, listening to certain songs, Mm. right? Spending time in reflection or in quietness, right? Different things for different people. Some people love art, right? Expressive, creative expressions, right? What about for you? Like what, what? Do you do with these emotions
0: then? Well, you you mentioned that you fight them, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I am not even aware of them,
1: Mm. right?
0: Like that's that's one that's my issue because I am not aware. Yeah, and I think it's only like it's like post hoc that I Mm -hmm. that I find like you know the times that I am like usually I'll go to bed at yeah one or two. If I find myself playing video games or reading till Uh two or three, I'd like okay, what's going on for me? Okay. Right. It's like that's the, that's when it hits me of like,
1: yeah.
0: I'm not doing the thing that I normally do. Right. I'm catching myself, you know, I've played video games for like, you know, like when the when uh-huh. sun goes down, uh-huh. you know, if I'm immediately like, okay, I'm going to go play video games and then I don't stop. Yeah. That's my kind of clue. Okay. Right. Like it's those things where it's my behavior dictates my awareness okay. into. Okay, something's happened for me in the last week. What am I stressed about? What am oh. I feeling? and that's how I kind of I'd like <laughs> to get to the place where I'm more aware in the moment of what's happening, mm-hmm. but sometimes I just get i think it's I get so overwhelmed yeah. right and then it's afterwards that I'm like okay i'm I've been playing video games for the last couple of days uh-huh. a lot. <laughs> Right, it's kind of your process, right? (laughs) Right, and and you'll say you'll even say to me, "Hey, hun, like, yeah, you know, come spend time out on the couch." Like, uh, do you have you noticed that you've been? Yeah, I'll be like, exactly, yeah, like it's. Uh I think it's another important thing too, is having people around you. Yes, social support. Yeah. Hey, are you doing all right? Is that you know you seem off or different this week? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a huge clue. Yeah. Um. If you're if you're by yourself, it's you got to be. I'd say diligent about noticing yes. the changes in your life mm-hmm. uh, and how you're acting and how you respond. Yeah. If all of a sudden you want to go downtown and party <laughs> for no reason and you're not a usual home, you're usually a homebody, and now right. all of a sudden you want to go out. What is that telling you about mm-hmm. the situation? I mean, that's a, that's a pretty plain open right, easy right. example, but yeah, I think for me it's more the becoming more aware mm-hmm. um, and noticing my behavior afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: What is, what is healing for you? What have you found is healing for you? I'm curious to hear that. <laughs> mm.
0: Good question. Writing, mm. probably, okay. probably writing. Yeah, I think I think I've been doing it so long at this point. It's it's, it it's part of my way to calm down. It's part of a way mm. to process. Listening to music, talking Mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not much of a talker, though. I mean, you know that, right? Um, The irony, you're. I know making
1: a podcast.
0: I know. I know. But talking about me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Like like I can talk. I can talk Talk about about topics.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't talk about (laughs) me though. Like see you asked me that question and I don't know. <laughs> like, what is healing for you? Yeah, I had to think about it. Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't I I, I would say writing. Okay. Um, I would say spending time with you and and if Magnus is in a good mood, uh-huh. <laughs> spending time with ourselves. When he's in the grumpy cat mood, I that's that's a little bit diff- different. Uh-huh. Um Family time, yeah. doing things as a family is very healing. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets me away from. It reminds me of you know what what's important.
1: Yeah, same.
0: Um, same.
1: And friends, and
0: friends, dear friends. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, doing dinner and laughing and. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's a fun that thing. Sense of Human connection. things, right? yes. Human things, yes. Exactly. Yeah, connecting exactly. as humans, I think, is is, yeah. the, is the thing. Um, but yeah, I'll have to think of more about that because, because <laughs> yeah. I really, I really haven't put much thought i just do right mm-hmm, whatever exactly. my mind is directing me to do i do yeah um and it's only after i look back and like wow you must have been really stressed that week, Matt. <laughs> yeah you're like you finished a 80 hour game and uh-huh. you know three weeks um or i just really liked it but um uh, thank you so much for coming on
1: oh my pleasure thank you for having you, me you're on. wonderful as oh, always thank you and you're a wonderful host I really hope your your series goes well and I'm sure you know it, it sounds like you're being very thoughtful in the topics that you're picking so oh, thank you I'm excited to listen in too.
0: yeah thank you thank you so much hon yeah um, you know some people thought we were gonna argue for an hour <laughs> oh <laughs>
1: by some people did you mean
0: us <laughs> yeah we, we thought we were gonna argue for an hour this is this is just going to be us bickering about the dishes or something for now. I'm sure people would love to listen to that. Uh, well, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Chua, and I'd love to have you on again. Thank you. <laughs>